Hey everyone, I'm Meg and you are listening to Coffee With, the series where I chat to and paint awesome and inspiring people using coffee. This series is all about sharing the stories and journeys of those of us who are trying to pursue our passions, inspire others and make a real positive impact on the world. With each Coffee With episode, there will also be a video uploaded on my YouTube channel where I paint my guests in coffee and so we'll of course leave links to those in the show notes. And with that said, grab yourself a cup of coffee or other drink if you prefer and let's get into the episode. and welcome to episode six of Coffee With. So today I'm really excited because we are going to be chatting to Amal Bahlul, who is the founder of a non-profit organization called Lights, Camera, Learn, who connect cultures to educate and empower children through the art of filmmaking. This was such an incredible conversation that we had. Amal is so intelligent so experienced and just has so much knowledge and I think her experiences through starting this non-profit organization you know managing people bringing people together teaching kids is gonna really inspire you guys and I really hope give you some motivation to just go off and do your own thing so with that said I really hope that you enjoyed the episode and yeah let's get into episode five Nope, episode six of Coffee With. To start off with each episode, something that I really like to do is give about 60 seconds for you to introduce yourself, a little bit about who you are, what you do, and just any kind of information. Don't worry if it's not exactly on 60 seconds, I'm not going to be there with a timer or anything. But just kind of a short intro, I guess, into who you are and what you do. And yeah, whenever you're ready, feel free to start. So my name is Amel Bahloul. Um, I was born in New York, raised between basically mainly the UAE. Um, my parents are Tunisian, so I'm a true third culture kid. I currently focus a lot of my time on Camera Learn, which is a nonprofit organization that connects cultures to empower and educate children through the art of filmmaking. I started it while I was at Pepperdine University in Mobile, California, and that's where I truly found out that I was passionate about, I was always passionate about education, like if you, if you met me, you know, when I was still in UAE, also my parents are both professors, so I was always passionate about, like, revolutionizing and changing the education system, but at Pepperdine I realized that I was also very passionate about kind of having cultures understand each other and kind of more meaningful travel and heading in the direction of cult like respect through cultural understanding is definitely more of where like I'm at right now you know yeah no absolutely I think that was fantastic and so as you mentioned lights camera learn is the organization that you created I'm quite curious how did it come about so how did you come up with this idea what sparked the idea can you chat a little bit about that so Lights Camera Learn kind of stemmed from my father's research. So my father's a linguist, and he wrote a book called Lights, Camera, Action, and the Brain, the use of filmmaking in the classroom. So I grew up around him talking about his research and explaining why 
learning languages through art is, you know, generally like more effective, more efficient than, than the regular traditional way of learning. And obviously just kind of growing up around that, you get very passionate about it. We need to allow kids like room for self-expression and, and, and empowerment. The basis of what we do in terms of, of um, language learning and filmmaking stems from that research. But the reason why I started Life Camera Learn was so basically Pepperdine University has the number one largest like study abroad program in the nation. And so I went abroad with Pepperdine a couple of times and I always found that, that there was something missing in the sense that the U.S. currently is in a very Islamophobic culture. As a Muslim at a, at a Christian university, I was kind of faced with a lot of questions. Obviously, for the first time in my life, I, was, I went to a place where I was a minority. And although I traveled a lot with Pepperdine, I realized that when, when people travel, if they don't, if they're not forced to be uncomfortable, if they're not forced to be immersed in the culture, they're really just traveling like as if they're going to Disneyland. So they'll go to Italy or China and they're just taking pictures and they're hanging out with their friends, but they're not actually meeting any locals or, or growing. So that's when I realized like oh, I was driving actually. And I had just, I was, I had just a couple of days before spoken to the president of the university and he was saying, Emma, like, is there anyone that you can kind of train after you to, to, cause I would give talks and stuff. So it's like, is there anyone that you can train to continue the work that you're doing after you're gone. And at that point, it hadn't hit me that, like, wait, all this work that I've been doing here to, like, educate people is going to be gone when I leave. Or are they going to come to death questions? So I was driving, and I had that conversation in mind, and I was thinking about, because I volunteered teaching kids through filmmaking and in Tunis, and it just hit me. I was like, okay, wait. These people, that, that they're, they're young, they're passionate, and they want to travel, and they can travel, and a lot of them are actually great filmmakers, and, and, and you know, like, they, they just need an avenue or a way to travel, and these kids need to be educated, they want to learn too, like, it just seemed to me a very, like, it just hit me when I was driving, literally, like, these two groups of people need to meet, and, um, yeah, that's where the idea originally started. That's awesome. I mean, I guess it was a combination then of your dad being a linguist and, you know, him, because I was reading on the website that he used to teach, was it Arabic through through filmmaking as well? Is that correct? Yeah, he taught Arabic, French and, um, and English, yeah. That's amazing. So, you know, that on top of your experience at university kind of all coming together and it is such a fantastic idea because, like you said, it not only benefits, you know, one side of it, it benefits both sides where, you, where you're teaching children who want to learn through a different way, which is more visual and more interactive and engaging. And then also giving the experience to filmmakers and young people who want to make films all around the world. And just watching some of the videos that you've created it seems like it's such an immersive and fun program. And so what kind of things can people expect from the program? So what you'll expect is traveling. So a lot of sightseeing, but not with a tour guide necessarily, more like with other locals. We just expect to be constantly surrounded by a local, whether it's another local filmmaker or local kids, or just people that want to show you around. What we do is we try to encourage Art. We try to encourage, we try to just bring two people together and it's okay, like just 
try to create something together. And it's not necessarily about what they create. It's about the process of two cultures coming together to create something beautiful. So they expect that. They expect to meet a lot of kids and be asked a lot of questions about their culture. They can expect to have to, to be brainstorming. They can expect tears. It's very emotional. Just I think the filmmaking process in general, the stress that comes with it, but then also the tears at the red carpet event when you finally see, you know, all the hard work paying off and you see the kids crying because the first time they see themselves on screen, their parents are crying. So and then obviously the saying goodbye is always tough. So always, usually there's a couple of tears. Yeah. And then expect like, expect definitely to be challenged, to be asked questions about your culture that you didn't think you would ever have to question or your history or your politics, you know, religion, all that fun stuff is all put into it and expect to just be around people that you never thought you would meet in your life and it's just every single let's come and learn trip so far like is it's a life-changing event i'm sure because i was again reading from the site that so far you've made 48 films had 13 red carpets and traveled seven countries which is absolutely incredible and like these countries have included france tunisia palestine spain is that challenging, bringing all these people together in these different countries? Like, how, how does that work? And how do you reach out to these places? You know, do you reach out to schools which have these external programs to learn different languages? How does that process work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it depends on the country, right? So, for example, in the UAE, we partnered up with the Emirates Red Crescent. So we're working with, like, the Syrian refugees there. In Zanzibar, we partnered up with the Creative Education Foundation, which is an orphanage. You know, in Palestine, we partner up with a plus in the academy. So they bring in kids from like four different schools in the area to go to their, their university. It really depends on the program, it depends on who we, like the kids that we work with. Like in France, we work with a boarding school. So, and, and in Spain, we work with a, a, a private, like kind of after school. Type of thing. So the way our structure kind of works is is that we are a nonprofit. So in the programs where the kids that can afford it, they pay and, and it helps cover some of the costs, the programs in which the kids that can't pay. So it's a little bit about that. That's awesome. And from being the president and founder, there's a lot that you have to face on a daily basis. And I'm just wondering, what are some of the biggest challenges that you face? And how do you find that you overcome them? Okay, so it honestly depends on the phase that I'm in. If you asked me when I first started it, it would have been the hesitation of like, I know I feel that this is right, but can I actually do this or not? And you know, I didn't have a lot of support from the people around me, so that was a challenge in itself. You know, it was more like, can I do this? Do I, do I want to do this? And if you asked me like last year, it was about trust. It was about, okay, who am I trusting around me and, and trust in myself and trusting the, the process and deciding, like, how much stress do I want to put myself through to get this to work, you know? And that was a hard thing at first because you put all this pressure on yourself, which now I learned, like, I don't want to do. I'll get the work done without the stress. Uh, but now if you ask me the biggest challenge, I think is figuring out what my priorities are, what I want my team and my organizational structure to look like. Because I think right now the biggest thing is, okay, for example, do I focus on expanding? Because I've done seven countries and 
I already have like another four more lined up that I, you know, want to work with. Should I go and just focus on logistics and expansion or should I take time off to regroup, re-strategize, bring in, you know, stronger partnerships, um, you know, get funding, like have a, have a full-time team. So it's kind of this like, like, where do I go from here type questions? Like, it's not like an easy thing to, to decide, you know, and everyone has different opinions. It's just about figuring out what my next are, I guess. And so far, it's it's such rewarding work that it makes me very happy. But mental health, like, I, I knew, I, I learned this last year, like, the startup hectic life, like, the success isn't worth it. Definitely. And I know that you put on your Instagram account that you take out a day a month where you just have just it's a you day and you don't interact with anyone and that is really important for you and I'm sure that relates in a way to mental health because you're giving so much of yourself to so many different people you know and again being the president and founder it's that kind of position where if anything goes wrong people just look to you right and it's kind of like you have to be the problem solver and coordinator for everyone and have those days really benefited you? Like, what kind of things do you do to really try and take care of yourself and have that self-care? I do yoga every day. I also have a diary that I keep. Yeah, I try to get, like, like either a pedicure or a massage or something uh, whenever I can, especially if it's in the summer. I try to do it after my sessions, like in between sessions. Because what I learned in the past is when I'm on a type of customer, when I work, I forget to eat. I'm stressed, I forget to eat. So I've tried to be like kind of a Nazi with myself. I'm very like, I'm going to drink water, you know, I'm going to try to eat. And that's the lesson that I also learned. Honestly, last year I didn't know how to take breaks. I remember after the summer, we were on a family vacation and I was setting up my Spain program on my family vacation. And I learned that part of my self care is like a weekend it's just once in a while it's not every weekend usually but once in a while taking a weekend off is good (laughs) absolutely and I think again it's it's all a process of learning you know I've listened to quite a few podcasts and interviews with entrepreneurs and people who just give their absolute 100% into the project that they work on and things like you said like forgetting to eat not taking time off working on holidays is very common in people who are so passionate about their work but it's great to hear that you're kind of now at a point where you're making that effort to really take care of yourself and I think that's so important to make sure that your energy and your mood and enthusiasm is sustainable and that you keep that mental health in order to keep yourself passionate about the things that you're working on. With challenges, obviously, I'm sure there's been so much just positive experiences from the past few years. And what are some key highlights for you that have come from these past few years working with Lights, Camera, Learn? Um, okay, a couple of highlights. Oh my goodness, every session, I think there's a, like a, a moment, like at the end of every session, I'm like, wow, I can't wait to do this again. Yeah. Obviously, some sessions are, it's kind of like, the highlight is I'm glad it, it, we even survived. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't wait to, to make this better for next year or, or, or you know, bigger, whatever. But a couple moments I think that really struck me, for example, okay, I'll, I'll just do the last session with Zanzibar. You know, the kids came up to us afterwards and they wrote their, in their Oscar speeches what they appreciated the most. 
and they all said things like thank you for my favorite part was dancing and then some of us were like thank you for really taking the time to make sure we understand because you know with with a script you sit down and you have to take it so because they have to nail their lines so you have to explain every single word to them and I think that was something that a lot of the kids hadn't necessarily experienced obviously we, we got a lot of hugs and a lot of tears but I think the coolest part is when and, and this happens every session when a kid kind of comes up and says, just thank you for teaching me and thank you for dancing with me and thank you for for, te- like, for letting me act, for letting me be on screen. There was one moment we were working with an orphanage in Tunis. This girl, she was talking about, uh, she, she decided to come up and sing at the carpet event. She sang a song for her father who had passed away. It's just literally every single session, there's, there's like one moment of just intense gratitude between you and, and your either your team the team you work with or, or you and the kids and like to me it's what fuels me this is the hardest part is you know the the kind of living in between the sessions because you don't get that gratitude where you don't see it see the impact and then the session comes and you see your impact so i think that the highlights it's the whole it's the end result it's the movies it's the kids it's the the one-on-one contact and and I, I think that's why to me Zanzibar is really special is because Zanzibar was the, was, um, uh, the first program that I did with Spreading Grace. So, so it's the first time I partner up with another organization to do a trip that, that they lead. First time I wasn't in charge of things like logistics, so I could be more involved with the kids. And the last time that I really was really, really involved in a movie was last summer, right? Because this summer I was doing more managerial things. Like I was in between like police stations and hospitals and I was doing all that boring stuff that no one else wants to do. Like this summer, I got to really just stick to one script and one movie, one group of kids, and I knew all their names. So what was cool about that, what, what I was really grateful for in that program was I got to go back to kind of just being in a tiny group and you know we talked about things like what the best day of your life what was the worst day of your life and you just get to know these kids on a deeper level without having to necessarily you know worry about like you know when you're when you're when you're in charge of a group of people these problems and police and and like I said like just all those other things that I didn't know I was necessarily signing up for but they happen and and you have to kind of deal with it whereas like when you're just there and you're with kids it's like it's just like a safe fun elements it's joy and yeah it does sound like such an amazing experience and I think like you said when you see the impact that it has on real people whether it be the filmmakers or the kids that's when it's like wow this is making a real difference and this is why I do what I do and I put in all those hours and this in between time so I really you know just have to acknowledge like all the hard work and amazing things that you were doing and it is absolutely worth it because I've seen a lot of the pictures and the videos and you can just see on those kids faces and on the interns faces and you know the filmmakers how everyone is just lit up and I think that that's such an incredible thing and I noticed as well that you've been getting a lot more media coverage recently and how has that been how have you dealt with that I think at first I was very kind of anti like anti-interview I didn't understand why media can be beneficial or why it like increases credibility honestly the media coverage I find I don't even know how to so because it's not gotten it, it hasn't even led to something where I did a media coverage and it like 
they're all the same. Everyone comes up and they're like, wow, you're doing amazing things. And I'm like, thank you, I will. And I hope you're continue doing what you're doing great. Do you feel like there hasn't been a like huge response back from it? Or like has it attracted more people to be involved in the projects? So I usually find that it depends. I have had a lot of solid, good interviews where they understand my project enough to know what type of questions to ask. They, they try to spend the whole interview themselves trying to understand what they do. And a lot of them like haven't really done their, their homework. And their first question is, so you teach kids filmmaking? Uh, yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. So usually when it's one of those things, I think it's just, oh, Arab entrepreneur, amazing, let's interview her. You know, that's not what I, I don't know. That's, I guess, not the first thing that you want people to associate it with. Like, you'd rather them just see the project. Exactly. Yeah. It's a really cool project. Like, for example, they've never, they had, like, before they interviewed me, they've never seen, like, an actual film of any of the kids, or they haven't seen the promo video. Oh, I'm only talking about two interviews specifically. Yeah. Some of the other ones were great. Like, I did one in Palestine that was great. And I did one with Euronews that was also pretty good, too. But some definitely don't really. I just felt like, I'm, I'm sure the media coverage is great, and I hope whoever watches it actually benefits from it, but... I don't know if it's how I would have portrayed myself. I think just with any any kind of interview, you know, just having that background knowledge not only makes it easier to interview someone, but it gives that other person assurance that you're really invested and, you know, know what they do and are passionate and have that connection. That leads me on to social media because that is also part of how you share some of the projects and the work that you do. So has your personal social media been beneficial? Has that kind of gained, you know, any anything in terms of people seeing that and then wanting to apply to your programs or people maybe wanting to contribute in other ways? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so, like, if you had met me this time last year, my public, my profile was still very public, uh, private. A little less than a year ago now that I make it public. And before that, I wouldn't even really talk about what I did with Life Camera. I still didn't understand the power of it. But what I what I found is, actually, another female entrepreneur taught me this. Her name was Amy Mwaki. She had some, uh, a digital agency in Cairo. Yeah, and basically, I was like, okay, so I don't, no, like I know social media can be very useful, but like I haven't used it yet, and like I'm managing my own social media. Should I give it to a professional to manage? And she goes, No, like you, if you have the content, you already have a story to tell. She's like, You just need to get used to actually telling your story. And that's when I realized she's so like I don't tell people what I do, and 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 then everyone knows I'm busy. Oh, I'm at where is she? She's working eight hours a day, twenty hours a day, like how whatever day it is. Like I put like. They know I work, but do they actually know what I do? No. And I still think now there's some people on my social media that don't know what I do. I definitely need to get better at it. But once you said that, I made my profile public. And I started getting used to, like, doing that little thing where, you know, you talk into the camera. And it's really awkward. So I still, even now, like, it's not my favorite thing to do. But I'm starting to recognize, like, the power of just literally just practicing and crafting your message in less than 15 seconds and just trying to get it out there. Yeah, I think there's been a power for me in media, just me learning how to tell my story myself. Like, it's not like I have, I have gained, like, a, a normal amount of followers, but it's just good practice for me. And every time I do, there's someone that's like, oh, no way, I had no idea you were doing this, or, oh, like, I always get encouraging messages, mainly from friends and and, and strangers, too, just like, oh, this is cool, or, like, good luck or keep going and then obviously there's that one or two 
there's a couple of people that, that are always just randomly like rude the trolls we don't we don't acknowledge the trolls they are just there well no they're not even there because we don't acknowledge them we don't acknowledge them <laughs> no i think it's it is amazing and i think it can be really difficult to put yourself out there in in that form through video but again what it can lead to is being you know inspiring other people you know you being you and showing what you're doing is so inspirational to people on the receiving end because it's like, you know, wow, you know, not only is she just creating these amazing programs and, and getting all these people together, but she's also sharing, you know, the highlights, but also sometimes the struggles. And I think being genuine and authentic and honest is incredibly important as well. And, and that's something that I've really noticed with, you know, the stuff that you share is it's just true. And that is inspiring as well. I would definitely say keep going with it because it's awesome <laughs> so with all the experiences that you've had over the past few years with all the people that you've met what are some lessons that you've learned and things that you want to really share with others that you think are really important and will provide some value and impact to other people Oh goodness! I feel like am I am I there yet to be able to give advice? I mean, again, this I think I think with this, it's something that obviously we have lessons that we continuously learn every single day. But I think up until now, you do have a lot of experience, and you do have a lot of I, I believe that you do have a lot of knowledge to share right now in this you know in this moment. We'll narrow it down to three. If you just have three things that you just really have thought, wow, I've learned that and I would really like other people to understand this. And it doesn't necessarily have to specifically apply to the organization. Maybe it's a personal lesson that you've learned. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, I think I'll break it up into three categories. So personally, I've learned surround yourself with people that inspire you. I was surrounded by... Not a lot, not even a long time, but my, my immediate circle, I was the only one that was doing anything remotely like this. And everyone was looking at me like, well, I'm so cool. She's a risk taker. She's doing the weird thing. So I just felt like, okay, A, no one understood my struggles. B, no one could give me advice that was relevant because the advice I was getting was, okay, why don't you go back to school? And, you know, because uh, everyone else was getting to, going to get their master's or, you know, so... I think it's important to find people that 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 you look up to too, because they there's the one they're the ones that are going to push you to do better, um, and they're going to kind of take you out of your like like if if you don't see someone and you like in your in your school and you go wow people work harder than me or wow mm -hmm. they're really like like I need to learn that from them then you're really just you're going to eventually just do what's normal around you which is all your friends are either working a nine-to-five and they're not passionate about what they're doing or, or whoever, yeah. whoever it depends on on you and your circle of friends but they're obviously everyone's going through their own struggle but if you don't have people that are struggling better than you or struggling faster or harder or whatever then um i think it's easy to to kind of start feeling sorry for yourself like, oh but i'm working so much and all my friends are having fun and they have an easy job so i should maybe slow down or i should you know like not be so hard on myself and start following my, my friends, um, it, which is the, the natural instinct. So my my response to that is, is just get better friends. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a, a support system. So that's personally. 
my advice in terms of education is, you know, I think for a while, you know, college education is is great up to a certain point. Practically, I know it wasn't much help to me um, in terms of actually setting up my business and, and, and doing all that stuff. I didn't really implement what was taught to me in college into my business. But how I would say to keep growing and keep learning is be very intentional about, okay, um, I know I need to learn, for example, accounting. Okay, I'm going to look it up online. I'm going to learn as much as I can just from, from doing it, from looking it up. And then from there, you know, what skills you naturally have and then what skills you want to like work on and just take your education into your own hands. So that would be my second thing. Just because you're out of school doesn't mean you have to stop learning. Oh, absolutely. That's what Google is for and YouTube tutorials. Exactly. <laughs> like I learned so many lessons just by just by doing and like failing and then like but for me anyway maybe I just have a bad memory I like have to say it to someone I have to literally write down I learned this that that way I feel like I can quantify the lessons and try to not repeat them so and then third I would say and it falls under the category of I think I don't know if you would want to call it like leadership or teamwork and I think it's it's just the idea that you're gonna have to deal with people that are very different from you and people maybe that are very attacking of you some people may be more aggressive it's if you're like me you know you're not very like i, I don't raise my voice so mm. even someone being aggressive towards me I'm, I'm not really very sure how to respond and you know just in that field of of working with others my advice is to really and, and kind of, I think, recognizing I'm a young woman, and sometimes you have to be a young woman telling older men or, or even men the same age what to do. Not a lot of people take that very well. In that atmosphere, I would say always learn how to put yourself in a position where your, your respect and how you treat others and how you treat yourself, you have high standards that you just don't cross. So... I think it's very important to realize, okay, what behavior do I accept? What behavior do I want of people? And what behavior will I have to call someone out on? And I think that is hard because we're kind of taught to, to be forgiving, to be very like, oh, that's okay. Maybe he was going through a bad day or, and then it's, and you need to, you need to be very empathetic and, and, um, and, and very understanding of, of someone else's situation. But I think what I learned this year is, is at some point you have to just look at someone and go, hey, thank you so much for voicing your concern. However, you cannot voice your concern to me in the way that you are currently addressing me. So I'm not going to listen to what you're going to say now and come back to me later on when you're ready to have a mature conversation. That's an advice I think that I would give is to just figure out how how you want to be spoken to and how you mm. want to speak to others and, um, and set those high standards for yourself. And I think sometimes you might need to have a friend or a mentor come in and say, hey, this is disrespectful or this is unprofessional and, and help you define your standards. Absolutely. I mean, I know you're a bit hesitant at the beginning about sharing some lessons, but those were absolutely fantastic. And I definitely think a lot of people can take, you know, really a lot of value from that. So thank you so much for sharing those. So with your programs, I know that you have 
one coming up in December, and I believe that's in Zanzibar. So that one's open for applications. And then there's one, is it in Sharjah that's coming up? No, um, there, there is one coming up in Sharjah in, mm -hmm. um, in January, but that one actually I might be it might be extensive. Okay, okay. So for the time being, the Zanzibar program is open for applicants. If anyone out there is listening and they are filmmakers or this is something that really appeals to them and they want to get involved, how can they do that? Um, so they can go online, www.lenscameraman.org, and they can just apply. There's a couple of questions to fill out, and then they'll get asked for... Um, their CV and then a portfolio if they're a filmmaker, if they're an educator, just a CV and I think a cover letter and then um, they'll get interviewed. Yeah. And then hopefully if they get selected, they can come on board. Yeah. Fingers crossed. The Zanzibar sounds absolutely incredible. And definitely from what I've seen, it seems like an absolutely amazing program. And I, like, I don't want to use this term like lightly, but you know, life-changing in a way it is life-changing because of the experiences you have, of the people that you meet, and I guess also the impact that you have on these kids and knowing that you're giving them this overall experience, but also education that is nothing really like, you know, anything that anyone else is doing. And it's so unique. And I think that more schools should implement this kind of education because it's incredibly important. I think a lot of kids would benefit so much more and learn so much more and be, I think, in a way more passionate about education if they adapted kind of the teaching techniques and just the education system as a whole so well done I'm just in awe of what you are doing and thank you so much for being on this podcast I can't wait to pay you that's really exciting and so with every episode I like to kind of finish on I call it like a really you know intense kind of hard question but really it's not <laughs> it's just a light-hearted question of course this is called coffee with and I'm going to be painting you in coffee so I have to ask do you have a favorite coffee and if so what does your ideal cup of coffee look like my ideal cup of coffee is a tiramisu <laughs> oh I love that. I don't drink coffee at all, um, but the only type of coffee that I will intake is usually in a really good rumpelicious tiramisu <laughs> that crunch from the from the ghetto and then the mascarpone cheese is just super like light. But because it's like the, the coffee right has to be dipped, the, the lady fingers like just perfectly, so you taste it. But it's not, it doesn't take up for the whole tiramisu. That's my ideal. I love that. We've had quite a range of answers with this one. We've had black coffee. We've had instant coffee. We've had a white, I believe it was a white chocolate mocha. And we've had water. So tiramisu is a fantastic answer. I love that. I, I know it's weird and I know I'm like not normal, but I just, for me, coffee... I just, yeah, I'm just not very, I'm not a big coffee person. I'm more of a tea person than a water person. But hey, that's totally cool. Like, we are open and accepting of all people, regardless of what they like or what they don't like. And I know coffee is a huge thing at the moment. It's totally okay if you don't like it. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I know a lot of coffee people have a, have a really hard time with that. So I really, really appreciate that. 
coffee, tea, at the end of the day, it's a drink, you know, it's something that you enjoy. So if you enjoy it and you're around people who are enjoying what they are drinking, that's all that matters, really. That's how I see it anyways. Well, Fab, this has honestly been amazing. And I cannot wait to see what more incredible work you do. And I hope that you can add more countries to the list, get more videos, you know, in your library. And I really, I can't wait to see Lights, Camera, Learn build up and expand. And it's just a very exciting time. And I can't wait to follow on this journey. So for those who are listening and want to follow along with Amal and with all the work that she's doing, Amal, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you and where they can find Lights, Camera, Learn kind of on the social medias? Yeah, of course. So on Instagram, it's Lights underscore Camera underscore Learn. Um, we're on Facebook as well. YouTube, our YouTube channels where you can find all our films from all our stars. And yeah, and personally, I'm Easy ML Hope underscore on Instagram. Um, yeah. Go check out Lights, Camera, Learn and just feel inspired and empowered and wanting to just make a difference. Mm-hmm.